Why Nickers? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Nickers is a brand. Allen Houston. Nickers means Lord. Once a neck, always a neck. What is going on, ladies and gents? You are listening to Nickish. You got your boys Mo and Nafi here on this October 10th edition of the show. Uh, two preseason games. The Knicks have two W's against the Pacers and Wizards. And we're excited to bring to you guys our thoughts on the upcoming season and our takeaways from the two games. So bringing in my partner Nafi, man. How you doing? Doing all right, man. I mean, shit, bro. Two games in the preseason, like you said, and... It's looking like we got a squad, bro. Like, I don't want to get too carried away, too excited. You know what I mean? It is just preseason. It's just dress rehearsal, basically, for the real games that are going to count. But, uh, yeah, I mean, short story is I'm, I'm doing pretty good so far. How you doing? I'm doing good. I mean, you know, truth be told, man, it's, it's hard not to feel enthusiastic for the squad. And, you know, other people talk about the last time they were excited for a Knicks team. Um, for the upcoming season, and some of them point to 2010-11, Is there a particular yeah. squad that you just remember outside of those two that you're just excited for going into the season? Nah, not since this year. Like, last year, I feel like we all had, like, tepid expectations going into the season. That's what made that season so special. You know what I mean? Going in, low expectation, and then being blown away. And, yeah, it was COVID, but after a dark year most people had, the Knicks really gave us happiness for the first time in a while when they're usually a source of like most of our angst and fucking stress, you know what I mean? But as far as it's like going into a season where having like elevated expectations, last time was probably like 2013, 2014. That was obviously after the 54 win season. So we're obviously like, all right, let's, let's see how much of a good franchise we are. All kind of positive feeling was destroyed by the Bargnani trade. I don't want to bring up any bad PTSD, but that kind of squashed all expectations going in. This this season so far, bro, I feel like we're finally moving like a regular good franchise, a healthy franchise, you know what I mean? Positive momentum, no drama, no nothing, you know what I mean? We're the New York team that's quiet all of a sudden, you know, the New York basketball franchise. And this preseason, bro, like I said at the top, it's hard not to get super excited about what you're seeing, you know? Um, so we can get right into it unless... Uh, you got a little bit more to, if you want to flip or flip it on your on your side and tell me when's the last time you were excited going into the season like this, I mean. This might sound a little blasphemous, but honestly, I was pretty excited after we saw Porzingis' preseason games and going into the season, or maybe the, even the year after, or maybe two years after, when after Melo got traded and we knew Porzingis might be the guy. So, you know, so one, one of those three squads. Are you talking about I, I after the infamous excited. Tim Hardaway summer? You were excited, bro. We were stressing. The amount of curse words in that in that little chat thread we had going <laughs> <laughs> that summer. <laughs> yeah, well, all right, fine. Touche, touche. All right, maybe it was the Porzingis, Jerry, and Grant post-summer where we thought we actually had some young guys, some young pieces to join Melo and move forward and just basically go along with whatever Phil Jackson had in mind and triangle and all that shit. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, Loki, I was pretty excited. But, no, th- this, this seems different. This feels different. And uh, I'm going to go back to one of the questions that we posed to each other, at least, uh, a couple episodes back, um, when it came to predicting the season that's coming forward. Uh, a lot of people are really 
you know, wondering if this squad, you know, pretty much the same, is going to be better than this than last year's team, which is the Ford seed team, um, for a 72 game season with Randall being the most improved player, Tiz being coach of the year, and a lot of pieces that came in and played a solid role for one of the best teams that we've seen in the last two decades. Um, what do you what do you think after two preseason games? Does it look like this team has a good chance of being better or at least as good as last year's team? I think the question, what's interesting about that question is you, we could be better, as has been said by a lot of people. We definitely look better on paper, but it's about whether we'll be better in the standings. And that comes, you know, comes into play with the whole conversation about the East getting better. You know, like I, I joked on a lot on the last episode that like, oh, everybody's giving Chicago the hype. And to be fair, they've been looking pretty good in preseason too. Like Lonzo looks like a perfect fit with Levine and, and DeRozan. But my thing, more my short answer to your to your question is like, yeah, I think we'll definitely be better, especially after what we've seen. Like we knew on on paper we upgraded. Like it's no it's it's no competition between Alfred Payton and Kemba. It's like Fournier is like a night and day improvement over Bullock, and that's no shots at Bullock, but it's definitely different players at different like value being brought to the team Bullock is your typical three and d wing that really can't do much as far as creation you know that's why you and i were both on the same page like i'd rather bring back burks we brought back burks he's situated in the bench perfectly but now we got fournier and i saw in a msg post game show i think it was after the indie game and just throughout the broadcast like when they'd go back to the um to into the studio wally was just like the most generic fucking like commentators like oh Evan Fournier, he's just a basketball player, man. And I hate when motherfuckers do that, but I kind of dig it with Fournier. He's like, uh, like what, what's the word? Like, jack of all trades, master of none. You know what I mean? But he yeah. is a really nice shooter. But he could also create, put it on the floor. He's, he's showing some real nice passing chops. I like the fact that he's like, you know, when he gets into the paint, he's drawing fouls. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. I just feel like the upgrade is there. Are we going to be better? You know, not to, to kind of pivot away from like big enough Fournier. I definitely think we should be in that top four fight, bro. Like Brooklyn, it's a wild card just because it seems like Kyrie's going all the way with this anti-vax stuff. But I miss half a season. Philly is just like they might, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with Ben Simmons. So I think up top you got, you know, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, despite all the drama. I mean... Who else is in that like upper echelon? Boston, I guess, could be improved, but optic and seating wise. What did Boston wise, do? What what exactly did Boston do that's getting them all this hype compared to last season? I mean, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Like, I hate Boston, fuck Boston, but that's that's a foundation that like until those that those two split apart, I think that's a foundation that's going to be worthy of the hype. And you know, who's to say if Emad Udoka is going to be a good coach? You know, we like fans of all people know the least about who's you know, projected to be a great coach who we don't know until after the fact. But I don't know. I I I just don't see how they're definitively definitively better than us. You know what I mean? We were better last year. You know. Um, yeah. I guess the big change is Brad Stevens like fell ass backwards into a president of basketball a basketball operations job. Like he was like, I don't feel like coaching anymore. And the owner's like, All right, promotion. <laughs> you know, you want the big office. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know if that's ass backwards or is that ass upwards. That's that's pretty much what happened to Brad. I don't know. We got to ask the, 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 you know what? I'm going to keep my comments to myself. I was going to say something that could have got me canceled. But <laughs> moving on, I mean, to your question, yeah, I definitely think we'll be better. It's just about, okay, so it's, it's we're finally back and normalized into like an 82-game season. Last year was like 71, 72 games. Mm-hmm. I think in a typical 82-game season coming up, I think we're looking like a 50-plus like a win team, bro. 
Uh, I don't know if that's too much enthusiasm. I'm not going to go as far as folks out there. They're going crazy saying 60 wins. I was like, oh, that's legendary <laughs> status. But, like, I think we'll, yeah. we're knocking on the door of 50 wins this season for sure, you know, with good health, you know. Um, but I'm saying with good health, but Julius is out, obviously, for personal reasons. You know, shout out to him. I think his, his wife is expecting their second baby, so he, yeah. he was out for that. So congrats to the happy couple. But he was out, and we just just we just spanked the Wizards, bro. And, we, and that's why I was at the game, bro. And you, you had me, you pointed it out on the broadcast. People could hear tips. And then once I like honed in on it, I, he was pissed, bro. He was cranky yeah. as hell. He was on Sims' ass, but like just more so, he was fed up with the fact that like, yo, we should be destroying these motherfuckers. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like it got to a point where they caught up and it was tied. I'm just like, yeah, we're expected to be a lot better than we are. You know what I mean? Like tips is that serious? Like, and I'm thinking, you know, we're looking like a 51 team. That's my takeaway. What do you think, bro? What's your projection as far as win wise and then seating wise in the East? Well, seeding wise, I think I, I don't I I want to say they're gonna be the fourth seed. I, I think it's gonna be tough to kind of mimic everything that went well for the Knicks last season, especially when we're talking about the Knicks. Not everything can go as well, but you know, I think with this team, it's pretty much agreed upon that the the East is as strong as the West, if not stronger, probably stronger at this point with all the teams that have upgraded. I mean, dude, the Miami Heat were in the finals two seasons ago, and now they got Kyle Lowry, and Bam is only getting better. Jimmy could hopefully have a healthy season. Uh, Boston, you know, Jason Tatum is only getting a year older, year wiser, year better. Um, Why? And you got the the (laughs) Hawks. You got Nick Nick McMillan playing a full season now as as head coach for that team, and that team is really good. And, you know, one of the questions we got to, you know, wonder is, are the 76ers going to be better than the Knicks when Joel Embiid is still on that team without Ben Simmons? And honestly, they could be. He, he's the best big man in the NBA right now, in my opinion. And whether Ben Simmons is there or not, I, it's kind of hard to say whether that the Knicks will be better than the Sixers. I, I'm on the side of no. Um, <clears throat> so as far as standings go, I think we're going to be in the sixth range, six to seven. I'm hoping we, as long as we don't, fall into play-in tournament kind of range, then I think it's a successful season. What really matters is what we do in the postseason. What we're seeing now is the Knicks are solving the problems of the issue or the, the issues that they had in the postseason last season against the Hawks. And let's get into that a little bit. I'll, I'll throw my uh, win prediction later on in the episode. Oh, keep, the, keep the listeners. Uh, uh, <laughs> just keep them guessing. All right, I got yeah, you. You know, you know how it is. That's what we um, call a tease, ladies and gentlemen. We professionals <laughs> around here. I mean, he's, he's teasing that for later. Coming up yeah. on the next segment. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> this all ties into just our prediction and projection for the season. But I guess the biggest thing in the Wizards game, obviously, is a huge emphasis about this. It's just, like, the huge difference in offense, bro. Like, we got to talk about that. We took 52 threes in the last game against the Wizards. And I know d Rose. I mean, that's great. I think that was like the most of franchise history right, is what they yeah. were saying, right? Like, yeah. in a preseason, it's still it's still preseason, but still, it, it counts for some that the fact that like, as a franchise, we broke that record already. You know what I mean? Right. But, um, that's crazy. But, so I was about to just bring up, yeah, so D-Rose, he said, I like, I think it was media days ago, he mentioned a specific number. He's like, what, like 37, like 45-ish threes a 37 game. 37 to 40 is what he said. Yeah, there you go. And then we blew that blew that number out the water. And it's preseason against, like, the Wizards, who already are a JV team. You know what I mean? Um, but regardless, just the difference, obviously, is in the offense. And 
Bro, I tell you what, we were bitching for two, three years, especially going back to Julius's first season, RJ's rookie season. Our spacing was god awful. Alfred Payton had a lot to do with that. Um, the fact that Julius wasn't a shooter yet in his first year, and we was pairing him with Mitch, that had a lot to do with it. Julius, knock on wood, his shooting is gonna show to not be a fluke this season. But we got Evan Fournier and Kemba now, and bro, I'm telling you, like you can't talk about the offense without talking about one or the other. But Kemba's looking, looking fluid. He's looking natural, like that 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 PCP knee regimen, German knee operation, or whatever the fuck he did overseas, like is is doing its magic. You know what I mean? I think it's like the shit where they inject like fucking I don't know bl- the fluid <laughs> thing. Yeah, the fluid shit where like they is, like. Is, is that- I don't, I, know. I, don't, I don't know. Blood spinning, whatever. whatever. whatever Kobe, did, the, the, the shit Kobe did that like brought him back to life. Kemba did that, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. It, it sounds highly illegal, but yeah, I mean, if the NBA don't got a problem, we don't got a problem. Just to but, interject real quick, you, you remember when Melo had his knees drained and he went in God mode for like the next 20 games? Bro, I'm going like, to need my knee drained, bro. Five, six bro. years <laughs> ago. <laughs> Can you imagine this regular folk dude actually getting a knee drained just like kill these spreadsheets at work, bro? Just destroy that shit. Be right the best emails, bro. But uh, um, but yeah, I mean the offense itself, bro. It's we got so many shot creators now, bro. And I know we're gonna get into a specific player and hit like this player's improvement after this. But that's the thing that really sets us apart and sets us up for better success this season. It's just our offense. Not only do we have shot creators, but we also have, like are running actual offenses, better offenses because we have the talent now. It wasn't just about Tibbs being too rigid or uncreative. Our personnel sucked. Like, you can't rely on Reggie Bullock to run the same shit Fournier would. You know what I mean? Like, or Fournier would. Like, he, I said it on our Twitter, but it's just like, it's a blessing to have a shooting guard now that could dribble twice without catastrophe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Fournier, his two-man game with Julius is upgraded instantaneously because he brings that extra dimension that Bullock couldn't as, like, a, as far as a creator, as far as, like, being able to dribble and, like, attack the paint and be that kind of a threat makes the defense, like, uh, you know, uneasy and like has them off kilter a little bit so and then it's like we're not iso heavy anymore you know what i mean like i know julius was out but i kind of really told the story itself right there without julius we still whooped their ass at like 52 threes it wasn't stagnation our offense was like julius and or nothing last season like iso magic mid-range jumper julius you know what i mean now it's like we got all these creators that are unselfish and are like passing up good looks for better looks. It's almost like Spursian, you know what I mean? So I think that's going to be the biggest thing, just like the humongous leap in offense, bro. Like, I'm going to throw it to you. What have you seen from the offense so far that really, like, catches your eye? Because I know I hit on a lot of stuff, but there's a lot of good stuff to talk about. Yeah, I mean, let's just think of that that two-for-two trade that we had. We really had Alfred Payton and Reggie Bullock and switching it up for Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier. Mm. And I saw something, I saw Kemba do something that I've never seen Alfred Payton do, and that's run up to the three-point line, pull up for a three, and make it go in right then and there. I mean, Alfred Payton, whenever he had the ball, he'd, he'd dribble to the half-court, stop, and kind of do his thing to try to get to the basket and get a layup. And, you know, Kemba Walker, when he's when he's a three-point pull-up threat, that opens up the door for everyone else. And now we're seeing everyone else pulling up for threes and making them. We saw last night, we saw RJ shooting. We saw Kevin Knox getting four threes. We saw, we saw Obi getting threes. Randall's isn't going to need the ball as much as he needed last season. That's the reason why the the playoffs went the way they went because he couldn't – he got locked up and he couldn't rely on anyone else to create their own shot or create Facts. for others. And that's why D. Rose got, play, got placed into the starting lineup in the playoffs when it should have been done way before, but that's neither here nor there because D. Rose was that other guy. So it was really just 
Randall, Rose, and for a little bit, RJ, who was able to both create a shot and create for others. And now we got Kemba Walker and now Evan Fournier, who, who yes, can dribble the ball, but can also create <laughs> for others, do pullback threes and, you know, step back threes and just keep the keep the game a little bit more fluid than what it was for, for the Knicks last season. What we saw, a lot of people say, is reminiscent of the 90s Knicks, where it's hard-nosed basketball, lots of tough defense, and the offense isn't as free-flowing. And right now, we're going to have a free-flowing offense similar to the other 29 teams in the NBA, and we'll at least have above-average defense. And a lot of people think there's going to be a drop-off in defense. I don't I don't really see that. I mean, Fournier is able to hold his own. Kemba's, Kemba, you... We talked about this earlier today. I'll let you. I'll I'll throw it back to you. What what are we What are we saying about Kemba and his defense? I mean, shit, bro. He's like you mentioned it to me. He draws more charges than everybody on the team combined, right? And I think that's like an understated part when folks talk about the quote unquote downgrade between Peyton and Kemba on defense. It's not a downgrade because Peyton is like gr- grossly overrated on defense, bro. That's it's just. I think it's because he can't shoot and sucks on offense. People are just like, oh, he's, he's a grimy defender. It's because he's tatted up and he looks mean. Okay. <laughs> we got we to gotta emphasize that real quick. Kemba Walker, one man, last season as a Celtic who did not play the full season, drew more charges than the entire New York Knicks team last season. That's crazy, bro. That's, that's insane. I had, to, I had to read it twice just to make sure I understood what I was reading. Yeah, in all transparency, I hate like players that just – like, drawing a charge is one of their key, like, uh, items on their tool belt. Like, that's one of their keys to the game for them. I hate that shit. But when it's working in your favor, you can't bitch. You know what I mean? Until they outlaw, like, charges, <laughs> it's it's a valuable piece of defensive basketball. And Kemba brings that, you know what I mean? As a first line of defense, that's useful. Like, he drew a charge, like, in, in the game. And I was like, oh, Kemba's about to get this charge on the fast break. And he, get, he did that shit, you know what I mean, and against the Wizards. And I was like, yo, beautiful. And... To go back to the offense and just to, to a couple of good points you were making, just like that unselfishness, I think that unselfishness, you brought, you brought up RJ and it's going to lead into Knox as well. That unselfishness is under, underlined and, and emphasized by the fact that we're seeing more decisiveness from the team. Mm. And I feel like with RJ, the, like, the fact that he, we didn't see him frustrated at all in two games at the point guard for like missing him on open passes, I'm not seeing RJ clap for like open threes anymore because Peyton is like looks him off and tries to like bog down the offense with his extra dribbling and bullshit like takes to the rim. Nah, Kemba was hitting RJ anytime he had an opportunity for RJ to pull up for an open three because he's a decisive passer because he's a threat because the defense knows like, yo, if we don't play Kemba close, he'll take us inside and make, he'll score the bucket himself. Peyton don't have that threat, which, op- which opens up Kemba's passing. You know what I mean? And then Knox is another example of that, that decisiveness. It's almost like <clears throat> it trickled down through the entire roster. You know what I mean? Like Knox, when he was in there, there was no tentative, like, tentativeness to his game. He was, he was either shooting open jumpers or driving it in or passing it back. You know what I mean? There was no like hesitation or anything. It was like it was quick, decisive moves, and I was, like, really happy to see him have that good of a game. You know what I mean? Like, it was like he needed that both for his confidence and just for his value, bro. Right. And I think it's just all about – we talk about culture change. Offensively, there has been an offensive culture change because I think it was Johnny Bryan that was interviewed by um, Rebecca Harlow. He's saying, like, yo, we got Kemba and Fournier in. They're two veterans that have been around for, like, a decade plus that just know how to score the ball, and that brings – uh, so many different dimensions to the offense, basically. I'm paraphrasing, but you're seeing it, you know? And 
I don't know, the improvement has been, I'm, I'm sounding giddy because I am, bro, but I know there's a certain player we want to talk about his improvement, and I feel like his kind of growth offensively, what we've seen so far, embodies the kind of leap the entire team collectively has made on offense. So I'm going to throw it back to you, bro. One OB Toppin, hmm. New York's own, and he, he got a chance to shine. There was a little bit of foul trouble, but with Julius out, he got a chance to shine, and I know he had some, like, wild plays in the first game, so I'm going to... I'm going to ask you, bro, what's your thought on just Obi's improvement so far and I guess how that relates back to the collective offensive improvement of the roster? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people weren't... A lot of people had question marks on Obi last season and a lot of it needs to chalk up to the fact that he was brought in essentially to replace Julius Randle and nobody expected Randle to have the season that he did. Now... You know, he came in, probably thought he was going to be a starter, ended up being relegated to the bench for the entire season. But what's important is that he didn't have that summer that every rookie class before him had, where he had a summer league, and he had time to play games and get his feet wet and prepare to learn the game of NBA basketball. And he played in college. He was he was player of the year there, and he just didn't get that opportunity to really showcase his talents and learn before he got thrown into the game. And he had that opportunity this season. He was arguably the best player that the Knicks had this summer league. And when you talk about his first opportunity to start for the team, man had 13 points, two for six from mm. the three, five and nine overall, had dunks, had two blocks in the game. And that's really something that showed out to me personally is that one of his biggest disadvantages for, at least one of the biggest disadvantages of having Obi on the floor is that his defense isn't up to par. Or at least we're, we were told that from the scouting reports because he has high hips and isn't able to move laterally as well. But he has a 7-2 wingspan, and he is being coached by one of the best defensive coaches in NBA history in tips. So for me to see him improve and at least hold his own, at least be above average on defense, that's, that's highly encouraging for me. What I want to see Obi do is double down on the offense because he's able to do a lot of things that other players can't do. He can dunk on anybody. He is now capable of shooting. He, he was capable of shooting three before, but his arc isn't as high as it was before. It's I feel like all, so much better. I think all his threes last season were rainbow shots, and now he, he got the arc a little better. And obviously there's that one move that he had against the Pacers where he had that uh, kind of crossover spin layup shot. That, that was beautiful. Bro. And he's cutting left and right, man. Like he he's becoming a versatile scorer. And if mm. he can keep it up on defense, then maybe just maybe it'll be a good idea to have him on the court with Randall as a lineup at some point in the season. Or, or you know, that's to come. We'll see. Yeah, I was I was more so like focused on his offensive improvement, but yeah, he's showing a little bit more on defense too, bro. And I was like I was proud to see that in the D.C. game. Just, like, he was disrupt disruptive in terms of, like, getting his hands in the passing lane, you know what I mean, or, like, making the right rotation. And I feel like defense is going to be key to making that Randall-OB pairing work in, in terms of, like, in, in season. If, like, Tibbs doesn't seem like a small ball guy, he even touched down there at media day. It's not really his thing. But you're right, bro. Just in terms of just OB, like, it's it's crazy the kind of like how night and day it looks his confidence in his own handle. I remember when he would just get the ball, he would obviously just like look for the dribble handoff, you know what I mean, or barely even try to like make something happen on his own. It could just be because it was coaching, like yo, you're the rookie, just make sure if you get the ball and it's not wide open, just give it up to a guard. Now it's like yo, nah, he gets the ball in transition, he he's taking that shit all the way, you know what I mean? That's what I love to see. That was like his first possession, his first score in the in the Pacers mm -hmm. game. Mm -hmm. He just 
took it in the fast break on himself. And it's like, not only does he have confidence in his handle, he has confidence for a reason. Like, the you, the work you put in preparation breeds confidence. And the work that Obi's obviously put in in the offseason, in his own game, being a gym rat, like IQ is famously is, as, as RJ famously is, it's paying off because... He's looking so much more fluid, bro. He don't look like a baby deer out there, like, <laughs> just, like, stumbling and, like, leg shaking and shit. Now, he looks like, I go back to decisiveness. He's decisive because he's confidence in his handle. His confidence in his handle comes from the fact that it's improved. It's yep. tighter. It's more fluid. It doesn't look awkward anymore, you know? It's just, it's crazy that we're in this position. We got a top 10 pick that's playing, that's stuck behind an all-NBA all-star, but yet he's hungry to show out like this, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just beautiful. I think Ob to my own to answer my own question. I feel like he is the embodiment of that collective offensive improvement. It comes from culture. It comes from work. It's gonna sound corny, but damn, bro, it it all bleeds together, man. And it's like I said, positive vibes only. This I'm trying to like keep myself even keeled, but it's tough not to love what we're seeing, both from Ob and the team as a whole this season, this right. preseason. I mean, and what's what's crazy is that we we know Ob has passing game too. He just hasn't mm. been able to show it as much. I remember the first couple of games in the season, he had some wild passes. They were risky, but they would go through. But he's yeah. capable of it, and he's learning from our, you know, one of the best point forwards in the game right now in Randall. So if, hey. he, if he gets his handle tight and if he gets a three-point shot tight, I want to see him be able to move forward with passing the ball at a better rate. But honestly, that 4-5 that lineup with Randall and Obi might have to happen out of just necessity because we don't know what's going with Noel. We don't know what's going with Mitch right now because we don't know, you know, these guys are both injured. Noel apparently has bruised knees, and Mitch, we don't really know what his timeline is. So, I mean, Taj, Mitch, I think they're just being cautious with. Yeah, Taj is Taj, yeah. bro. Ta- Taj is Taj. I don't, think <laughs> we need, I don't think we need to talk about him too much. I love that he's trying to, you know, throw in the three-pointer here and there. But yeah. let's let's go let's go into the, the kid, the, the rookie. Um the one Jericho on the two-way Sims. contract who gets his ass chewed up every single minute of every game now by Tibbs. Pause. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Tibbs um, is a wild boy, but I don't think he's into that. All right. <laughs> but now nah, you're right, bro. I was like, I was honing in on that at the Wizards game. Like, just seeing it live, anytime there was a timeout and Sims was coming off the floor, Tibbs is going right up to him, like, almost damn near chest-to-chest, yes, yelling, and... I think that comes from a place of love. Obviously, tough love is Tibbs' thing. He wouldn't be doing that if he didn't expect like have high expectations for Sims, and he wouldn't have high expectations if like there wasn't reason to have it. You know what I mean? Sims, say what you will, he does look lost on defense, but bro, he is he is a threat as a rim runner already, as like a fifty-eight overall pick. The fact that he just needs to kind of just tighten up as far as like a big man, like learning defensive NBA level rotations, that'll come with time and it comes with good coaching staff. We got Kenny Payne, we got Tibbs and we see kind of Taj is right there. Taj was a late first round pick that came into the league and impeccable big man defender his entire career under the tutelage of Tibbs. Same shit about to be with Sims, bro. And I'm happy with what I've seen from Sims and like. It's like the best of a worst situation. Obviously, we want Mitch out there. We want Noel out there, the man we just paid. But it's good for Sims to get this opportunity. And like Taj, I want to touch on him real quick. That man plays defense like the most annoying old head at the park, bro. Mm-hmm. He'll get those strips when you just slop you with your post move that are just like, damn. you just embarrassed, but you're embarrassed because like, damn, this old motherfucker with his st- with cinder block hands just stripped me. You know what I <laughs> mean? That's Taj in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
with Sins, it still wild to me that he's only six nine. Like he looks like a six. Dude, at least six ten, six eleven. It is. It's the afro. It is. It's the afro. The the way he leaps, only twenty two years old, six nine, and he looks like a guy who, you know, could be Mitch's solid replacement if no, you know, if whatever oh. happens to Noel. Oh, okay, okay. Mr. Mr. Mitch no, 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 is in I'm trade sorry, talks. I'm sorry. Let me clarify. No, no. I mean as a reserve role. What I mean is that when Mitch is off the court, Sims will be a you, solid I backup. I, I meant backup. No, nah, you gave me a heart attack the other day, though. No, you no, were just no, like, no. yo, Mitch is in trade talks. I was like, oh, <laughs> what the hell? Where? Where? No. Well, show, show me these talks. Is this Howard Beck making <laughs> making trouble again? You're like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm just hyping up Sims. I was like, oh, no. okay. Don't do um, that, bro. <laughs> the one encouraging thing about Sims was that he had that one, uh, I don't know if it was a hook shot, whatever you want to call it. It was a non-dunk. So we knew he's capable of something that's not a dunk. Um, so, yeah, that's that's Jericho yeah, Sims. I like what I see some Sims. Yeah. yeah, and I mean McBride and Grimes didn't get their get didn't get their like kind of good amount of playing time for us to really talk about. Let's them get into in depth. that. But actually, there you go. I was just gonna tee it up right now. Just there seems to be at least from the New York press. I said this on our Twitter too. Like Mark Berman, like. He's part of the New York Post. Create controversy by any means. You know what I mean? Like, he, he had some tweets during the Wizards game. He's like, oh, right now it would be a great time for Grimes to get some playing time. But instead, the, the fans have to watch RJ. Motherfucker, RJ is 21 years old. <laughs> it's just as good for him to get fourth quarter minutes. Like, relax. I'm trying to make a story out of nothing. And that man's been on the beat for, like, 35 years. So he knows how to stay employed. You got to come up with, like, some fluff like that to just, like, sell papers or whatever the fuck. But the, the, there seems to be at least... A certain segment of fans that are frustrated with the fact that Tibbs is kind of really using preseason as if like it's a regular season and like not really giving the young guys a lot of playing time in the late third or fourth quarter even when we're up like 20 15 you know what I mean so I guess what's your take on just Tibbs rotation in the preseason are you one of these people that are just you know filled with a little bit of angst about it like are you annoyed honestly that the fact that like McBride ain't like playing all fourth quarter minutes with Grimes or what you take away? I mean, just look at the minute distribution. D Rose still got under twenty minutes. Kemba just got about twenty minutes. So, who whose minutes are we really trying to cut down here to see more of Grimes and McBride? Now, don't don't get me wrong here. Oh, maybe Alec Burks because that man played twenty three minutes. He shouldn't be playing twenty three minutes anymore at this point for preseason. But don't get me wrong. I would love to see more of Grimes. I would love to see more of McBride. They should be getting this chance to get their feet wet, especially for exhibition games. Now, maybe that's why I am not being paid millions of dollars to be a head coach <laughs> of a team, especially when we're talking fair, about the fair. guy who won coach of the year. So that guy, he know, he may know a thing or two on how to be a coach. Would I personally like to see what else those two guys can bring to the table? Sure. But at the end of the day, we're, they're not going to get heavy minutes this season. They're rookies, and this is Coach Tibbs. And he has openly stated that he doesn't look to give – rookies heavy minutes especially when we have guys who are only in their second and third seasons already on the team who are young enough who can handle the minutes and should be able to handle the minutes. so really iq should be getting more of a focal point Toppin should be getting more of a focal point knox to an extent should be getting some more run to see if giving him one last chance to see if he could be a sharpshooter and if not we got to move forward from him um but right mm. now mcbride and grimes there there's no reason apart from just seeing what they can bring to the table for playing them more minutes. We don't have to trade them. But Knox, he's coming to the end of his contract. He should be able to run those two guys, in my opinion. But, yeah, I mean, I'd love to see them more. But, you know, 
Yeah, I mean, I'm just not feeling the angst, bro. I feel like we're on the same boat. It's just like, we know Tibbs is the guy that takes that regular season super seriously. So it only goes to, like, logic that, like, he would take the preseason seriously as a as a dress rehearsal and tune-up for the regular season. And I dig it because, first of all, we're coming off, like, the last two years of the most, like, kind of just uh, unorthodox off-seasons ever. You know what I mean? Like, especially, like, Julius said at Media Day, it's like, they're starting, or t- the type of short off season they had is the type that a team that just came off of finals would have. You know what I mean? Season ended like in May or June, and now they're right back into just like the regular October timeline. You know what I mean? So I think it just makes sense for Tibbs to take the preseason seriously as far as a tune-up. We want to get our regular rotation guys as many reps as they can in the flow of a game and in the flow of a rotation that we would expect in the regular season. So I'm not mad at it. And I, like you said, it would be one thing if, like, our rotation was all 35-plus-year-old motherfuckers, vets, like the Lakers, basically. But we're not. Like, key components of our rotation, including Mitch when he gets back, are young dudes. Mitch, RJ, IQ, Obi. That's four guys right there that, are like, are part of the rotation and that are integral, important parts to the, the trajectory of our franchise as a whole. You know what I mean? Like... RJ is getting good amount of money. He, he was second on the team in minutes last year. You know what I mean? So it's, mm-hmm. it's a question about, like, this preseason angst about the rotation is all kind of tied to, like, young players not getting their opportunity to show out. Competition breeds excellence. You know what I mean? Like, Knox knows he was in the doghouse. You know what I mean? Like, just he was basically on the shelf getting cobwebs. You know what I mean? Just, like, collecting dust, not playing. You know what I mean? But then Julius is out, Obi's a starter, Knox get those, gets those valuable backup minutes and those reps, and he came out and he showed out, you know what I mean? So I think this is only just keep the young kids hungry. Knox came out hungry, McBride is going to be hungry if, like, knock on wood, you know, Kemba and or Rose have to miss some time because of health-related issues. You know, it's good to keep these young kids hungry. And, you know, we didn't get to speak on them in depth, but, like, yo, like, IQ... I think the very fact that he's playing behind, like, Kemba and he's playing with Rose off the bench, he's playing with Burks, it's good for him because he's learning from two veteran, you know, Kemba and Rose, two veteran point guard, like, obviously dudes that have been in the league, all-star level players. You're seeing it in his own development. I'm liking the fact that, like, we're seeing him more often, like, when he gets into the paint, he's holding on to his dribble longer than he used to, Mm -hmm. or he's not, like, trying to, like, flop for fouls because, yeah, the league is... Oh, emphasizing not calling them shits, but we're seeing IQ's growth as a point guard. So if any of the frustration about Tibbs' rotation is kind of derived from, oh, he's not taking youth seriously or youth development seriously, that's bullshit, man. Like, 100%, Tibbs, 100%. Tibbs has, it, it's it's not like he's out there like trying to be like Luke Walton playing like, you know, like the young kids out in Sacramento all these minutes. He's not going to do that, but he has his specific style, rigid way of how he brings young players along. He'll give them a role, build on that one role, give them more time. We're seeing it with Obi and IQ. We're seeing it with RJ. So right. I ain't mad at the rotation, and I feel like, yo, we're going to come into this season. I can't wait for the opening night, bro. We're going to come out, come out swinging, bro. And no disrespect to, to McBride and Grimes, but they were in top 10 picks. They were in top 5 picks where they have exactly. to get those minutes where they were scouted heavily and are being brought in to be integral pieces of the team. No, they're they're basically on a tryout basis to see if they could be rotational mm. players right now. I'm not, you know, I'm not talking about what they could be two, three years from now, but at least for the time being right now, they're 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 doing tryouts to see if they could be rotation pieces. They're not they're not like Obi coming in last season. If this were last season, Obi weren't getting those minutes, then I'd be a little bit more upset. 
But right, Grimes right. was 25th. McBride, a second-round pick, just, you know, tone it down a bit. Let's stick with IQ. Let's stick with Obi. Let's stick with RJ. These guys are all 22, 23, and younger. And let these guys are our present and our future. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like if you're at this stage after these two preseason games we saw, if you're with some of these fans, if you're one a fan that's like in some way frustrated by what you're seeing, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. Like I feel like you become so jaded, you just just mad to be mad. You know what I mean? But it is what it is. Everybody that's you know opinions are like assholes. Everybody got them. Right. So <laughs> some are more stinky than others. It's just what it is. <laughs> But uh, we got the Wizards next again, right? Is it home and home? Like, no, are the Wizards next coming game, to MSG? Next game or? is Wednesday against Detroit. We're, we're playing the Wizards again? Shit. We are playing the Wizards again next Saturday, I think. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and then, so it's we, just two more, just two more preseason so. games. Yeah, then. I just know next gotcha. game is Detroit. All right, let's just get this official prediction then for opening night, October 20th. We beat in Boston? Yes. All right, but we at the end of the episode, bro. So we gotta get your official prediction for the season, win wise, and how the team's gonna do. Don't think I forgot. We don't tease our listeners and not deliver, bro. Come on, now we nickish. All right, hold on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna do some math. a whole episode. Just doing some math here. Hold on. All right, I predict that the Knicks are gonna be forty-eight and thirty-four. Oh shit! Okay. And get the six seed. Damn. Okay. Okay. I and I would be thrilled be. with that. I'd be I'd be very happy with that because I know they're gonna be dangerous in the playoffs. Knock on wood. Facts. It's just like whoever number three is. You know, if Atlanta lives up to that hype because of three seed, we get that rematch. Mm. Rivalry on deck, bro. Mm-hmm. I was hesitant to call it a lot of rivalry last year because I feel like it takes at least two multiple play. Exactly. You know what I mean? But now, bro, if that happens, Julius is going to going into this gunfight with actual machine guns instead of like a dull knife, aka Alfred Payton. You know what I mean? Like, now we got shooters, bro. Shit. I can't wait. I can't wait for season, bro. Like, knock on wood. Hopefully, it's a good one. Don't want to jinx us. Yep. We are still the Knicks fans. We're still Knicks fans at the end of the day. The 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 pain we have residing in our hearts is still fresh. Not to get too deep. We've, we've seen some Knickish stuff happen. Not we've too long ago. We've seen some dark ago. shit happen, brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a reason why our Knickish hats are black. <laughs> we've been in the abyss. <laughs> <laughs> That's Knicks Yo, if they win one playoff series, we change the color, bro. It's gonna be, it's gonna be like some green shit. or some shit. <laughs> Teal <laughs> coming soon. <laughs> All right, man. All right. All right, that's that's a wrap for this episode. I appreciate you guys listening to this episode of Nickish. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Nickish Show. Subscribe to our podcast on all platforms. Give us a five star review. Uh, that'll be super awesome for our our uh, podcast and uh, stay tuned in we got some things lined up some things that we're very excited Mm -hmm. to bring to you guys Um, so until next time we appreciate the support take care everyone peace peace